0: It's the weekend, so relax and listen to some stories the whole family can enjoy. That's right, it's the Saturday Story Circle here on the Mutual Audio Network.
1: The following audio drama is rated
0: G for general audience.
1: Chapter 37. A single bare bulb hung from the ceiling of Westing's wine cellars. They were dry and clean, not at all like the dungeons they were now meant to be. But the rat-faced Gunzel still shivered as he waited. He looked around him. Nine other gunmen stood crowded into the small space, each well-armed, all watching the single door that was the only point of entry to the cellars. The odds that an enemy could survive a direct assault were less than zero— yet the man with the thin, rat-like face knew that every one of his confederate's hearts was as full of cold dread as his own was. For a dozen minutes only silence hung between them. Locked behind the door at the other end of the narrow passageway were three men, bound hand and foot. The gunman did not know who they were or why the masked do should be concerned with their fate, but he knew that was part of Ajay Shah's plan. Ten men, waiting in one place, the Red Panda was certain to come. It was nuts. "'I don't like this,' he said at last. There was no reply from the other men, but several of them exchanged glances. He wasn't the only one. Encouraged, he spoke up again. "'Look at us, crammed in here like sardines. And for what?' he said, lighting a cigarette with a long wooden match. "'Quiet, dummy. You want the man in the mask to hear you?' a voice in the rear piped up. Ratface shook his head. "'You're not hiding, stupid.' You're standing in the one place in this whole blasted city where the Red panther's sure to come. Nice sort of hiding place. There were murmurs among the other men. They were feeling as he was, but none of them were ready to speak up. The slim gunzel was not about to wait until it was too late. The master told us to stay down here. It was the man at the back speaking again. And that's just what we're going to do. You heard him. He's going to take care of the masks himself.' "'Sure, that's what he says,' Ratface said, flicking the spent match toward the stone wall. "'Takes himself a couple of bodyguards and moves fast. "'Leaves us to take the fall.' "'The murmurs of discontent grew louder. "'Only the big man at the back seemed unconvinced. "'If Mr. Shaw says he can take out the red panda, then that's just what he'll do,' "'the big man said, brandishing the modest hand cannon he carried. "'I seen him do some pretty amazing things.' "'Sure, kid. We all did,' Ratface nodded gently. But getting inside these rich folks' head is one thing. Taking out the man in the mask is another. Already this ain't exactly going to plan, is it? It was supposed to be all them rich swells that took the beatings today, and not ten of us crammed into a cellar. The murmurs grew more confident. The man with the rat face had almost won the day. You know what I think? I think that Shaw was in our heads too. Think about it. Is there any man jack here that's been paid a dime yet? When was the last time you worked so long for so little? The man near the back rose to his feet. The master has a plan, pal. And if you want to do crime in the city, having a plan means having a plan to deal with the nutjobs and the masks. (laughs) And don't you talk to me about having a plan, buddy, Ratface snapped. Sure, he had the backing of the crowd. I worked for the Golden Claws outfit. Now there was an organization. Ran the whole city, she did. But it wasn't enough when the masks came calling. And I pulled henchman duty for Captain Clockwork on the museum job. A genuine certified genius that man is. And still, those two made him look like a fool. This Ajay Shah's got Moxie, I'll give you that, and he's got some game. But it's one thing to have a plan for dealing with the Red Panda, and it's another to build your whole plan around calling him out. That does nobody any good. I'm out. He threw the remnants of his cigarette on the floor and turned towards the door. Nobody's out till the Master says he's out, the big man's voice boomed. Nuts to you, Ratface sneered. Don't you get it? He was inside our heads. But with all them rich birds to control, and whatever he's got going on topside with the heroes, he's spread too thin. He can't pull all of our strings at once. The big man at the back raised his gun hand and fired a single shot without another word. The small stone chamber made the blast seem painfully loud, and the assembled underworld tufts held their ears and gaped in amazement as the gunsel crumpled to the floor, his rat-like face augmented by a gaping bullet hole in the middle of his forehead. The big man lowered his gun hand. I did not need to pull all of your strings at once, he said in a voice that every man recognized as that of their dark master. One would suffice. The room hung with a silence paralyzed by fear. The big man looked around. I trust I make myself clear, he said. The eight men still standing all nodded silently. The big man smiled. Excellent, he said. And then, just as suddenly as the big man had fired his weapon, his head slumped forward on his chest and he wobbled slightly on his feet. An instant later he raised his eyes and looked at the body on the floor without comprehension. "'What happened here?' he said in his own voice. No man had time to speak or to consider what he had seen, for at that instant something small and metallic rang off the stone walls and ricocheted through the single light bulb swaying overhead, shattering it in a hail of glass and sparks. "'Oh, no!' said the big man quietly. At that moment laughter began to echo around the narrow stone room, a laugh that told of glee at the coming combat, a laugh that the underworld had come to fear as strongly as that of the red pandas. "It's her!" a voice called. "I can't see!" cried another. "Blaster! Don't let her take you!" shrieked a third, firing his thirty eight twice towards where he knew the door to be. That was the spark that set the blaze of panic. For the next minute the air was torn with the roar of gunfire. Every moment the voice of the Flying Squirrel came from a different direction, but the muzzle flashes and ricochet sparks revealed nothing, only open space and faces of crazed, panicked gunmen falling under their own hail of bullets. At last, all was still. The wooden door at the top of the steps creaked open, and little could be heard above the moans of gangsters felled by friendly fire. Then there came a sharp hiss as a flare was lit, and a small series of bumps as it rolled down the stairs. The Flying Squirrel stuck her head around the corner taking in the corridor as she moved down the stairs. It was easy at a glance to distinguish between the dead and the dying, and those that might yet prove a danger were disarmed quickly. She heard the crunch of the glass from the light bulb under her feet and smiled. Taking out the bulb with the dart had been a lucky shot, but in the panicked state her foes were in it hadn't taken too much more. She didn't like to settle things that way, throwing her voice with the ventriloquator built into her cowl and letting her enemies finish one another off as they gunned for her. It seemed unsporting somehow. Besides, she liked to get her hands dirty. This was how you earned this kind of reputation. But her right arm was still nearly useless after the electrical charge it had absorbed, and she was none too steady on her feet. And there was no time to waste. She shattered the heavy wooden door at the far end of the hall with a single kick. There on the floor before her were Andy Parker, Jack Peters, and young Mac Tully— "'all trussed up like Christmas turkeys.' "'They peered up at her, "'blinking in the red glow of the flare "'from the passageway behind. "'You all know, of course, "'that I'm going to lord this over each of you "'until the end of time,' she said with a smile, "'producing a small knife from her utility belt. "'She cut Andy Parker's hands free first "'and slipped the knife to him, "'producing a second from her belt "'and getting to work freeing the others. "'Parker pulled the gag from his mouth "'and set to work on the bonds that held his feet. "'Where's the chief?' he asked. "'He's at the grown-up table just now, Andy,' the squirrel said as Jack Peters' hands were freed. "'I had to come down to look after the children. "'And don't you imagine I'm not a little peeved about that?' "'Peters pulled the gag from his mouth. "'What happened to your arm?' he sputtered. "'Leave my arm out of this,' she said testily. "'I'd love to,' Peter said hastily. "'But since you're not usually left-handed, "'I'm a little worried that you're going to sever a vein in my legs. "'Can I do that?' he asked, holding out his hand for the second knife. "'Knock yourself out, sister,' she said, leaning back against the wall.' "'What do we do now?' Mac Tully said as soon as he could. "'Now,' the squirrel said, her arm settling into a hot throb as the adrenaline left her body. "'Now I get you somewhere safe and you come with and like it.' "'But,' Mac Tully started to protest. "'Mr. Tully,' she grimaced in pain as the pins and needles started flowing into her arm. "'Given the track records you boys have when you try and plan things for yourselves, "'what do you think the odds are that I want to debate this right now?' "'Not very good.' Max said sullenly. Clever boy. She smiled.
0: If an infinite amount of monkeys with typewriters could create all of Shakespeare's plays in an infinite amount of time, certainly you could create a radio script masterpiece in one month. (laughs) Take part in Ned's Room, the National Audio Drama Script Writing Month, where you are challenged to create an audio drama script before the end of February. And this year, you get an extra day. What do you get if you succeed? Why, the honor and excitement of knowing you did it! (laughs) Plus a nifty reward certificate. Ooh, uh. How do you go about entering Ned's room? How would I know? I'm just an announcer and I... Oh, oh, thank you, monkey. Uh, for information, go online to sonicsociety.org slash nadsroom. Where are the bananas? Oh, okay. That's N-A-D-S-W-R-I-M as in National Audio Drama Script Writing Month. And to give you a head start, I offer you a first line for your script charlie shouting hey where did all these monkeys come from the rest is up to you enter today not you stupid infinite monkey